0: Every decision they make can have an effect on our lives. Well, I'm not a crook.
1: We have to push and shove our way through a cloud of several hundred Vietnamese.
0: My fellow Americans, I've said on several occasions that I wouldn't comment about the recent congressional hearings on the Iran-Contra matter. The skies over Baghdad have been
2: illuminated. I did not have sexual relations with that
3: woman. Immediately, there's speculation or cause for concern. This is the World Trade Center that was the
0: center of a terrorist bombing.
3: What difference at this point does it make? Protesters have now broken into the U.S. Capitol.
0: This is Our Lives in Politics on the America Out Loud Network with your hosts Booker Scott and Lou Basada. In August of 2021, the Biden administration decided to withdraw from Afghanistan. It appeared the decision was made really fast, without much thought. 20 years had been enough, it was past time for America to leave, and most of us agree with that. But how the administration went about it, that's going to be investigated in Congress, and it's going to be debated by us for years. The Biden administration's actions resulted in the deaths of 13 United States military members, stranded thousands of Americans, and more U.S. military partners that fought right alongside those Americans were left there for the Taliban. Now, not only was there human tragedy, but there was also a financial and strategic cost. $85 billion in American military equipment was left in Afghanistan for the Taliban, and the Bagram Air Base was just abandoned. A group of American heroes went to work to rescue those abandoned in Afghanistan. They did it on their own, with their own money, resources, and time. One of those is newly sworn in United States Congressman Corey Mills representing Congressional District 7, which is right outside the Orlando, Florida area. He was twice injured, decorated veteran, successful businessman, and a staunch constitutionalist. He's a great American story, and we're thrilled to have Congressman Corey Mills on Our Lives in Politics. This hour is brought to you by 4Patriots.com. That's the number 4Patriots.com. Use promo code OUTLOUD for a 10% discount at 4Patriots.com. I'm Booker Scott, and thanks for being with us here on the America Out Loud Network. My co-host and producer is Lou Pazada. And Lou, this 118th U.S. Congress has some fresh perspective because they have some new members. Van Orden from Wisconsin, Lawler from New York, Anna Paulina Luna, another Floridian. And those are just a few. Of course, there's Corey Mills, and we're excited to have him.
2: Yes, I'm very excited to have Corey. He's one of the ones that I've been following for a while now. Uh, I like what I'm hearing. I'm hoping that we see some action. Uh, He seems very, very serious and dead set on making some changes in Congress. And that's just one of the hopeful things that I have uh, to hang on to with the the hope and prayer that uh, we can make some serious change. And he seems like the kind of guy that's going to get it done or at least do his best.
0: And lose over there living on that hopium because I don't have a whole lot of expectations (laughs) for this upcoming Congress because the Senate is in the hands of the Democrats. And, of course, Joe Biden sits there with a pen uh, right behind all of that to veto anything. So
2: my expectations are tempered on this. I understand that very much, but I'll tell you what, let's do this because like I said earlier, a few moments ago, he is one of the ones that I've been following and I like what I hear, but as we all know, we can hear a lot of things, but it's action that really matters. So let's listen to a clip of Corey Mills here. So maybe we can better understand who he is and what he's about.
3: I'm Corey Mills, a U.S. Army combat veteran who served in Iraq and Afghanistan. I came home and started a company making riot control munitions for law enforcement you may know some of our work. And now the liberal media is crying about it. Corey
0: Mills, soldier, conservative,
3: outsider. I'm Corey Mills, and I approve this message. Because if the media wants to shed some real tears, I can help them out with that.
0: So now let's welcome in Corey Mills to Our Lives and Politics here on the America Out Loud Network. Corey, we, it's been a while since you and I have actually spoken before the election. So first of all, congratulations on winning and also a big congratulations on being sworn in to the 118th Congress. Welcome to the program. I appreciate
3: you guys having me back. Yeah, it's an honor to be back with you guys. And I'm certainly going to try and make that uh, something we do on a more regular basis.
0: Yeah, please do. And let's get it. A, a lot of crazy things going on. Um, We look to the sky, and we see balloons, and I want to get into that with you. But first of all, your first impression of Congress, you're a freshman congressman from Florida 7, and you come into Congress, and the first time uh, that you're in the chambers, they're having a vote for the speaker, which lasts five votes to get there. But you finally got sworn in. What are your impressions so far?
3: Well, it actually was 16 votes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The good thing is this, though. I'm not bothered by that whatsoever. At the end of the day, I think what people find is that it's odd behavior to them because they haven't seen actual democracy and debate on the floor. Uh, I think it's a positive thing. I will note, however, that prior to the very first vote, 99.9 percent of all of the agreements that were made, whether it was the motion to vacate, whether it was the Texas border plan, whether it was eliminating proxy votes, whether it was eliminating omnibus for 12 appropriation bills and CRs, uh, whether it was the 87,000 IRS agents, uh, the single point legislation or the germaneness bill, as we like to try and say, um, all of those things were agreed to prior to the very first vote. And I will just say that the, the changes that were made uh, by those who were holding out, um, they they weren't of real notoriety. Like, for example, things like going from five votes for a motion to vacate to one. The reality is that you've got one, you've got 20. Uh, the other thing was leadership staying out of uh, open primaries uh, by utilizing the Congressional Leadership Fund. Uh it's, it's great in theory, but what's to stop them from opening up three, four, five other packs and using those instead of CLF? Um, so I think it was a good uh, message to be sent, and we certainly have returned the power back to the members, not to be uh, continually kind of a uh, power grab by the speakership. Uh, these are things that happened prior to that in our GOP conference. Um, but again, we're moving in the right direction. Uh I would love to say that uh, Congress is doing amazing things and we're, we're, we're doing our best for sure to try and get us back. But we, we have to understand something. The government as a whole, the violations of separations of power, the abuse of power that has gone on, whether that's the weaponization of government, you know, in some way through the IRS, FBI, three letters or whatever. Um, we're now at a stage where just getting us back to constitutionality and recognizing the way our founders had set up and established this nation is a victory for us. That's how far back we digress. And so it's it's frustrating for a guy like me where I move at a high pace uh, to come in and I have to try and feel out the off-tempo and realize that things don't move as fast as they should. And as I kind of indicated earlier, you know, Congress has a 21% approval rating as far as the trust the American people have in Congress, and it's well-deserved. Uh, it's certainly my goal to try and reinstill that trust and assurance that we fight for you. You know, this is about we, the people, not we, the minority government. And that's why, you know, for example, one of the things I do to try and separate the difference of understanding public service and private, uh, personal enrichment is I donate 100% of my salary every quarter to a woman, child, or veteran charity selected by my district. I don't make a dollar while I'm here. I won't buy, sell, and trade stocks, neither will my wife, neither will uh, any of my direct family, or anyone who works in my office if they want to continue to work in my office. We have to get back to being statesmen. We have to get back to understanding what it is to have public service. And, you know, that's what I'm really striving to do is to help to get us back to constitutionality and what the republic was really
0: about. And, you know, Corey, I agree with you about the uh, process for voting for Kevin McCarthy for Speaker. I was glad to see it. You know, the Congress has been really on a vacation working from home because of COVID uh, for the last two to three years. So it was refreshing for me to see the process again because it's been a while. But let's talk about something you just mentioned, uh, stock trading. Uh, You know, this this seems to me like it is a bipartisan issue. You have Elizabeth Warren on one side that is for it, and you have a lot of.
3: We, we, we refer to her as Senator Pocahontas.
0: <laughs> I didn't want to do that. But yeah, <laughs> you can go ahead and do that. So, wh- why can't something like this get done?
3: Well, it will. There's a bill coming to the floor um, that I think will receive bipartisan support that will ban this, the buying, selling, and trading of stocks. Uh, I think that this is something that we will see here in the next, uh, if not the next session, the one uh, coming up to that. Uh, as well as I've supported Ralph Norman's bill uh, to try and push term limits in Congress. Um, there, there's quite a few things. I'm, I've co-sponsored a bill with Congressman Greg Stubbe, uh that will allow to ban the purchasing of American lands by foreigners so that China could not purchase any further land, and we should utilize, in my opinion, something called eminent domain that actually allows us to take that land back. Uh, so there, there, there's a lot of things uh, which I know – uh, you're a constitutionalist, um, you understand the significant importance of these types of things, of not allowing uh, members of Congress to be compromised in any way, which we do have a compromised Congress. Uh, and I'll, I'll call it out on both sides. I mean, look, we've got people who are buying selling, and trading stocks on both sides. It's not just uh, Paul and Nancy Pelosi or uh,
0: right.
3: some of the others. It, it's on both sides. We need to recognize that uh, uh, as the American people. So, uh, well, we, I think that's gonna, it's going to definitely happen, this uh, 118th Congress, and I know that there's many people pushing for the bill to hit the floor.
0: You know, Corey, uh, Thomas Massey said, the beginning of January, I believe, he said there's going to be two types of bills you're going to see from the Republicans in the 118th Congress. And it, one of them is going to be messaging, and then the that's other right. is going to be bills that we can actually pass. You recently did uh, H.R. 863, which ends sexualization of children in schools. Is that one that's messaging for 24 or is that something that can actually get passed?
3: That is not messaging. And I you know, challenge any of my Republican or Democrat colleagues to vote against the idea of having sexualization of children in schools, this perverse ideology. You know, the fact, the fact is is that there's certain things, that, and Thomas is right, and, and, and I'm a big fan of uh, Thomas Massey yeah, and my too. good friends, and I talk to him quite a bit, but the reality is, is that this is not for messaging. I expect this to pass. I expect this to go to the Senate, and I expect it to be upheld. I'm not targeting or violating any 10th Amendment state and individual rights here. I'm not violating what the rights are of school boards or teachers' unions. Uh, what this is, is it is a bill That targets the publishing houses, and these publishing houses uh, who intentionally publish and distribute pornographic and inappropriate material as outlined in my bill will be subject to a half-million-dollar fine, and the person who is the highest member who approved for the distribution of this pornographic material to children under age from primary and secondary schools, he will face an imprisonment term of no less than one year, one day, up to five years. And it is a felonious offense. We need to protect our children. This is not something which is about politics. This is not a Democrat, Republican, conservative, socialist uh, idea. This is an America versus anti-America. We have to stop the culture war that has been launched against our society and the fact that our children are being targeted. So uh, I have quite a few co-sponsors on this. Uh, I am looking for it to very quickly move through uh, education and workforce, uh, as well as through judiciary. This has to go through too, since it does have criminal penalties and it does uh, apply and it's applicable to education. But I'm very serious about fighting for this bill and I will continue to fight it time in and time out, no matter how long it takes me to get this approved.
0: And I think it probably will get through the house but do you have any help of the Senate? Do you do you look for Cinema? Do you look for Joe Manchin? You're probably going to need both of them to get it passed in the House. And then, then on the back end of that, you have Joe Biden sitting there with a pen waiting to veto. Doesn't uh, does, well, it, does again, it get though, through
3: those? I, I I I think it does. I, I challenge. I think it's it, it's one of those where if anyone, and I will be the first to start calling them out on social media and on the news, anyone who votes against. The idea of protecting children in school from these perverse ideologies. I mean, you literally have kids who are being taught homosexual oral sex at the ages of eight years old through some of these books like *Gender Queer*. You have other things that are in cartoon form and fashion that is sexually implicit and completely inappropriate for even those in the secondary schools. Look, at the end of the day, the only people who should be teaching their children about sexualization or uh, the birds and the bees, as we used to call it, is their parents. This is a parental right. I asked my schools to focus on curriculum. You know, let's focus on bringing civics. Let's focus on being able to write in cursive, which many schools can't. Let's focus on arithmetic and real curriculum, not on the indoctrination through critical race theory or trying to push the 1619 project or sexualization. That is not education. That is indoctrination. and Those are two very different things.
0: And we have indoctrination all the way up through our institutions, at colleges and universities too. And it seems and like, military academies, yeah, absolutely. Right now we do. And I thank you for that bill, and we'll watch that. Hopefully, it will get through the Senate, and uh, also Joe Biden will eventually sign it. And if not him, maybe someone after the twenty-four election can. I want to get into China. I want to get into balloons. I want to get into a lot of different things, but I also want to take you back to August of twenty-one when Joe Biden leaves Afghanistan. And he leaves Afghanistan with $85 billion worth of military equipment paid for by America. And he leaves thousands of Americans in Afghanistan, not to mention all the uh, people that had helped our military, U.S. military, over the years in translators and things like that. He just left them high and dry for the Taliban. And it, it was left up to people like you who Donated their time, their resources to start getting those people out. Can you talk a little bit about that?
3: Yeah. So you're exactly right. Not only did he uh, leave thousands of Americans to die at the hands of not just the Taliban but ISIS, Corsan, and the Hikandi network, but he left them as the most well-equipped, well-prepared terrorist organization in the world with almost 86 billion dollars in weapons, armament, cash, uh, you name it. And you know when when my team and I went over um, our team ended up conducting the very first successful overland rescue that had ever been conducted. And, uh, we pulled a mother and three children who were born and raised Amarillo, Texas natives. And we watched firsthand how the Biden administration on multiple uh, attempts, three different attempts tried to thwart our efforts, uh, and was successful in thwarting our efforts in many cases until we started to, you know, not coordinate through them any longer. And so, um, I'm, I'm really fortunate in the fact that you know I, I got my committee assignments a few weeks back and I was put on the Armed Services Committee uh, and I serve on the Subcommittee of Intelligence and Special Operations, but I also serve on the Foreign Affairs Committee. And my subcommittees are oversight and I'm the vice chair of Africa where China has been uh, doing a lot of pilferaging when it comes to Uh, the natural resources, which they are in a resource economic warfare against us. But to go back to the, this is being headed up by Congressman Brian Mass, who's a good friend of mine, also another Florida delegate. Our first investigation is the investigation into Afghanistan. We will be looking to subpoena people like Secretary Lloyd, like Blinken, like those responsible for leaving Americans behind. And we'll start out by even backing it up a little bit and bringing in people like Secretary Pompeo, to actually pave the way to understand how we got to the point that we got to. You have Joe Biden, who's claiming that this was the most successful airlift operation that's ever been conducted. But what he's not telling the American people is that this 80,000 plus individuals that he took on these military aircrafts, 70 plus percent of them were never even vetted. These weren't our translators. These weren't the people who fought beside us for 20 plus years. And these certainly weren't the Americans that he was leaving behind. It was all for political display and optics. And we don't actually know how many of them were with the Taliban. We don't know how much false flag operations that was being launched where they're pretending to be as opposed to someone who worked within those three terrorist organizations that I talked about. But the American people deserve transparency and more so than that. The gold star families and the brave men and women who died on August 26th, they deserve closure. And they deserve some way to be held accountable. In my opinion, that's supposed to be your commander in chief. But at a minimum, our sec def advisor and our on-ground generals, they need to be responsible for the deaths that's preventable by taking over Bagram and shutting down commercial airspace um, over in HKIA. And these are answers that I want. Why did you shut down HKIA in the commercial airspaces so that Americans were left behind and intentionally trapped them? Why were you so eager to hand Bagram over to China, as well as for the $1.3 trillion in lithium? Why is it that you were so eager to allow the Taliban to set up the checkpoints for Americans when they were doing nothing but trying to coerce them, turning many of them away, putting guns to the head of Americans that were trapped because of the Biden administration? Are they not reporting the nearly three dozen Americans who died on the other side of the Abbey Gate that they don't have to report because they're not service members, but were blue passport holding born and raised Americans? These are the types of things the American people need to understand, and I can promise you that in our oversight committee, we will get answers.
0: And you mentioned uh, Bagram, and it's such an important air base strategically for the world. And we, just left, it. Yeah, we just left it there for, I guess, the Chinese, whoever. The uh,
3: Chinese came straight, immediately yeah. came in, flipped the lights on, thanked us for our time, the billion dollars that was spent on that location, the runways, the airstrips, its strategic proximity. Bagram was strategic because it was also very, very close to strike distance of the Chinese uh, terminals and electric grid. There was a lot of things about Bagram that was strategically placed. We also have to acknowledge that whenever they handed over Bagram, they also released over 40,000 of the terrorists that were actually being held at Bagram Detention Center. And that right there was what was responsible for the August 26th explosion at Abbey Gate.
0: You know, I don't believe that there is a shortage of things that Joe Biden and the left do that that bring our attention to them. But one of them lately happens to be the big Chinese spy balloon that we saw. And of course, it started out over the Pacific and then over Alaska. And this is going on for five or six days. And then all of a sudden, a mm-hmm. guy with an iPhone in Montana takes a picture of this. And <clears> now <throat> the military tells Joe Biden Wednesday, uh, before the Saturday that they shot it down, that they have been tracking it. So I have problems with that. If true, and I don't know that it's true, but if if it is true, why did the military not tell the commander in chief? And this is a bipartisan question, regardless of whether it's Joe Biden and Donald Trump or that's exactly right. Whoever, why is the military not again? It, if true, why did the military not inform Joe Biden and the administration? Five or six days before when they started tracking it to give him the opportunity to shoot it down over the Pacific before it crossed America for seven days.
3: Well, that's exactly right. If the, we need to know the fact whether or not this was an issue within North Command or whether this was Biden not doing anything because he knew it was a Chinese surveillance balloon. And, you know, I still believe and remain to believe that he is compromised based on what I saw with uh, the Hunter Biden laptop, and the fact that we knew that he had pulled over a billion dollars out of China, um, he being Hunter. And so, you know, my whole thing is that they claimed that they were trying to wait until they could get it into a space that would be um, safe to shoot down. So they waited until it got to the Atlantic. Well, my whole thing is is that if it was the idea was to shoot it down somewhere safe, why didn't we shoot it down in the Pacific, where it was already violating U.S. airspace with the Aleutian chain? You see, I believe in the idea that weakness invites aggression. And that's why you're seeing more and more of these incidents. occur. That's why you saw just the other day four Russian aircraft who had come into U.S. airspace who had to be intercepted by American fighters to turn away as well. And we know, as I've written on it for years, I wrote an article about two and a half years ago called The Great Superpower Resurgence While America Sleeps. And in this, I talked about the Russia, China, Iran, North Korea geopolitical alignment. I talked about the fact that Ukraine is nothing more than a Eurasian expansion, which is necessary for Chairman Xi to get his road and belt initiative that allows him to expand the Eurasian border, take Africa, take Oceania, which then allows him to cut off Western Hemisphere supply chain through the Horn of Africa, Mediterranean Red Sea, Persian Gulf. And now we know that China controls the Panama Canal, that allows him to choke our Western hemisphere supply chain while simultaneously going after the US dollar to eliminate it as the global currency through his mechanisms in KSA and OPEC by trying to get the petrodollar dollar replaced or at least supplemented with the petro yen or the petro ruble. So this is a very strategic and coordinated approach. And China is without a doubt an adversary. They have been for 20-plus years. President Trump knew that, and that's why he was doing things like the China Phase 1 deal. and That's why he was looking to hold them accountable, removing us from the INF treaties in Russia. And so you have to look at the facts here, which is that the only time Russia has ever invaded Ukraine was when who was in the office? Joe Biden. In 2014, he was vice president and now as president of the United States. And so they know that this is a weak administration. Again, the old saying weakness invites aggression and that's what we're seeing right now and China is very quickly proving that they are the aggressors they have a larger us or a larger naval fleet than america now they have the largest oil reserves in the world thanks to joe biden selling 40% of strategic petroleum reserves which we've now banned and they also are the second largest economy so we need to start taking this very serious we need to get back to energy dominance we need to stop any adversarial reliance. We need to list the CCP the same way we did IRGC as a terrorist organization. We need to take a very aggressive and very direct, decisive approach on the economic resource aspect because we can even defeat China now economically or we're going to be forced to fight them militarily later.
0: And you mentioned the uh, Chinese Belt and Road, and it's something that I've spoken about for a while. And, And for you in the audience, if you are not familiar with that Belt and Road initiative, I would really suggest that you read up on it and do some research because they've been at it for about 10 years. And when you see them buying up property all over the world, northern Italy is owned by China. Uh, Look at look in America. Look at all the property that they own around bases, military bases here and and other things. Uh, Yeah, right. It is scary uh, for one thing, but I'm hearing some positive things from you as well, Corey. Let's let's go to veterans for a minute, because I know that they're they are important to you. And every night, tonight included, somewhere between, I've heard 40 to 60,000 American homeless veterans will sleep under a bridge. And sleeping with them will be those that suffer from some sort of mental health illness. And meantime, you mentioned Ukraine. We're spending billions and billions of dollars to prop up that war against Russia. And where are America's priorities where we can allow forty to 60,000 American veterans to sleep under a bridge tonight and still send $100 million to Ukraine?
3: Well, I think that we've seen very clearly where our priorities were. We saw that back whenever Joe Biden was spending $86 million on illegals while our National Guard was sleeping in a frozen parking garage in D.C. It's always been his America last agenda. The reality is this, if we're so surplused in cash. One, we wouldn't have $32 trillion in debt. But if I'm going to have debt, I'd rather that be spent on the American people. I'd rather that be spent on securing our borders. I'd rather that be spent on mental health research and development to help to get more awareness of these issues that many of our veterans and many Americans face. I need to understand why we always have money to send to foreign nations to prop up and to help out their people when we're elected officials by our People, We're elected by the American people, not by the Ukrainian people, not by the Afghan people, not by whomever. So our first priority should always be to protect the homeland and protect the American people here. We should be getting our cost of living under control, our fuel costs, which can be very easily done by trying to get around the the bureaucracy of EPA and building the first refinery since 1976, by getting us not just energy dominance, But making sure that we're so dominant as a nation from an energy perspective, that instead of giving the hundreds of billions of dollars in international aid, we give reliable, cost-effective energy. You see, I am not pro-Putin or pro Xi. I recognize him as an adversary. But one of the things that Putin has done very well is that he actually got Germany completely reliant upon Russian energy. So much so that they were actually scared to make any action whatsoever, even after the the violations of sovereignty that was actually done in Ukraine. Remember, NATO, the whole point of NATO was to actually be able to address any type of Russian or Soviet Union aggression when that was actually a real threat, which it still is. And so we need to start taking some of this as examples and start actually treating the American people the way they deserve, not making them a secondary thought as we think that buying our diplomacy do these hundreds of billions of dollars is going to work or, you know, trying to think that these international and U.S. aid programs are in some way advancing the American diplomacy abroad. It's not. I have been a part of those programs. I've seen the waste and abuse of those programs. I have seen where the same people were given $800 million to will say, chant death to America. I wouldn't be given that $800 million to repurpose old commercial buildings to be small, affordable little rooms for our veterans to get them off the streets. This is the problem that I have. And the issue is, is that again, Congress goes slow in its ability to act. And this is something that I'm having to adjust with as someone who doesn't let weeds grow beneath my feet. So I'm, I'm trying to fight the machine. Um, I, I Anyone who's listening, I, I encourage you to please, you know, try and donate and support those of us who are actually in here for the right reasons, because we're not going to be liked by everyone in our in our Congress, not just the left, but also the right, because we're going to call balls and strikes on both sides. And you're going to see very quickly where the conservative America first movement, which was fractious, is going to actually bring us together more and more and more. And those who aren't on board for it, those would be the ones that are going to be left out high and dry.
0: Hey, Corey, I see a lot of disputes going on on the American first conservative side know yeah, it comes down to Trump DeSantis and people having that conversation, which I think is way, way too early right now. And I do too. What what can what can we do? You've talked a lot here on this part of the program about what you are willing to do and what you're going to try to accomplish. But there are millions and millions of us out here on the sidelines that need to get active. How do we get active you other, know what? You're other right. than donating? Because we We have to become a part of the silent
3: majority. Yes. That's right. We have to stop being the silent majority. We have to start making sure that the messages that are coming out from America first conservatives who are fighting for this nation isn't being suppressed. Even the smallest things, pushing us out on social media, making sure that the the messages are being heard and it resonates with the American people. We have to remember that it truly is the, the people. Our government is here to serve us, not to restrict us or over-regulate us or prevent us from living our lives or reach into our pocket over our $601 Venmo pay. That is not what it's about. So for the American people, keep pushing out the messages. Make sure they can't silence us any longer. And that's really the big key. If you can donate, donate. It has not to be currency. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's knocking doors. Maybe it's getting more active in the Republican Executive Committee within your actual counties or the Federated Clubs, or Liberty Caucus, or the Republican Assemblies. But it has to be with us coming together to ensure that we get out the vote and we get out the message.
0: As I look at the RNC vote for Ronald McDaniel recently, and you probably won't want to comment on it, but I, but I will. Because the polls that I saw showed 83% of Republicans that would vote would not have voted for Ronald McDaniel, but Harmeet Dillon. So that gets into political stuff. But when you look and, and you wonder, now, how could that happen? How could 83% of the people that vote Republican not want someone to win? And they won by two thirds. And really, well, the, yeah. the answer is we are not in those areas that you just mentioned, which is clubs, clubs. And the RNC, the GOP meetings locally, they feel nothing from us politically from the ground up, from the grassroots up, because we are not where they live. We are not in those clubs, and we have to get there, people. That's that's something that we can do. And Corey brought it up, and I I just want to want to pounce on on top of that.
2: Uh, We've been talking about this for a while, Booker, and I've even uh, put a few tweets out in a and even in my blog. I think most people. I feel it starts at home with your family, at your dinner table, uh, how you're bringing your kids up or our kids up uh, as as a a small community. We have to start talking about all of these issues and what we expect from our government. We can't just sit idly by, you know, sitting on our hands and expecting everything to change because nothing's going to change. We have to force it. We have to make it happen. So and that's what I've been pushing for a while. And that's kind of what I'm hearing from Corey.
3: Absolutely. I mean, you guys are both spot on with exactly what we're trying to do, which is, you know, we have to understand that the grassroots can take control of this nation once again, as it as it did before. We've just been look. I'll tell you, every one of us on this call, we're all responsible and we're all guilty for what we see today because mm-hmm. we did not early enough get up and make enough noise, and so we have to recognize it is our time now as America first members of this nation. We have to start bringing attention. We have to start our grassroots approach and supporting our candidates and the right incumbents to be able to continue to fight for us. We can't allow them to outraise us, whether that's in cash or whether that's in noise. We have to start taking control of this because this is our nation. Our government officials are elected to represent our desires. And I don't think that us trying to just have our desires be life, liberty, pursuit of happiness our constitutional-based rights, inalienable rights, is too much to ask. And those are the things that are being violated. This isn't just things that are, okay, it's outside of the constitutional realms of things that we can do. No, these are direct violations of our Constitution. And that should be enough for people to want to take notice and say, hey, look, I'm not supposed to be governed on my day-to-day life, on how I live by the federal government. They're there to serve me. They're there to help make sure that I'm not having a business overregulated or unconstitutionally shut down. They're there to make sure that our military is strong and not being unconstitutionally purged from these vaccines. You know, I'm not supposed to be politically targeted because of my my affiliation, whether it be by the IRS or the FBI or others. We have to start understanding that we've allowed this to happen and go on and go on. We knew the IRS targeted us back in 2004 under the Obama administration. But many of us didn't raise enough of a stink over it to actually do anything. So they said, oh. So it really is, I encourage people to get more active in your communities, to not allow, and I'll tell you something, state legislators, state senators, school boards, commissioners, city council members, focus more of your priority and time on state and local-based races than you do the federal races. That's where real change happens overnight, and I have said this for the longest time. I'd be fine if Congress did nothing more than help with trade tariffs, taxes, and national security and left every other thing under the 10th Amendment to the state and individual rights because I believe in a limited government. I believe in fair tax, so I appreciate what you guys do by continuing to have these shows, and Booker, I'll tell you. I need to come on here a lot more often because I, I it, it is necessary for me also the onus is on me to get the message out as well. And so I'll be happy to share with what I'm seeing on the inside here in the federal government. But you know, we need the American people to stand up and fight for the rights as well.
0: And we would love to have you back as often as you'll come, but before we let you leave, you gave us a half hour. We're up against it coming up in the end of February will be the third time that China and Russia have had military exercises together. This time they're going to be in South Africa and that will be three times in eight months. How much does that bother you?
3: Well, it bothers me tremendously and it bothers me because we've continued to display weakness and not stepping up. It bothers me that we haven't stopped our reliance on adversarial nations or have called out China for their violations. Help. We haven't even tried to get the 1994 Budapest Memorandum that was an international agreement signed by the Federation of Russia, America, UK, Northern Ireland, and Ukraine, brought up in international courts. We haven't tried to hold China accountable for the human rights atrocities against the Uyghur or the human rights violations and crimes that are being committed by the Russians. This isn't just about kinetics. This isn't gun-to-gun, bomb-to-bomb, bullet-to-bullet. Warfare has evolved. We are involved and have been for decades in resource economic and cyber warfare, cultural warfare, propaganda misinformation warfare, all the things that America has failed to address time and time again. And when we fail to address those issues and the wolves smell that we're prey, of course, they're going to come knocking around at our doors. So I think that we need to take, again, that Reagan peace through strength stance. We have to show them that we're we're not divided. That we are decisive, that we will take the appropriate actions to protect and guard America.
0: Well said. Corey, thank you so much for uh, sharing this half hour with us. And I know you've had briefings on the balloons. I know you can't talk about it, but should we keep looking up to the skies for balloons?
3: Well, unfortunately, I wouldn't be uh, surprised to see more. Yeah. Again, I, I know I have beat a dead horse here, but. Uh, weakness invites aggression. They're going to continue to test that. They're going to continue to try and look at whether or not this is what I have been saying, which is a vulnerability assessment. That was what that first balloon was about. You know, they were basically seeing how far, at what altitude would they be detected? What was our mitigating uh, threat measures? Uh, how would we handle these types of things diplomatically, militarily, et cetera? What's the economic play on this? You've got a $400,000 rocket knocking down a $60,000 or $100,000 balloon, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of things that went into this. And when we allowed it to, to basically traverse the entire United States, that was a sign of weakness and why we're seeing more balloons pop up.
0: Hey, Corey, keep fighting and keep us yes, informed. Sir. We really appreciate you coming on this on this show and and, and we'll keep an eye on you. And hopefully uh, H.R. 863 makes its way all the way through the House, the Senate, and Joe Biden actually signs it. That'd be awesome.
3: Well, we're going to keep fighting, Booker, and I appreciate all that you're doing. And again, to all the listeners out there, uh, you can follow me at FL, but you can also go into our website at millsforflorida.com. Uh, we need you in the fight as well with us.
0: And, you know, Corey mentioned something a couple of minutes ago about a blackout. <laughs> it could happen. You know, national security experts are warning that our aging power grid is more vulnerable than ever. In January, marked the third time a power station in North Carolina was damaged by gunfire. Authorities are saying the attack raises a new level of threat. And they're checking the grid right now for vulnerabilities. And what they found is nine key substations. And if these substations are attacked, power could be knocked out from coast to coast for up to 18 months. A blackout lasting not days, but weeks or months. Your life would be frozen in time right at that moment. Lights all over the country would go out, throwing people into total darkness. That's why having your own portable solar power right now is more important than ever. With the Patriot Power Sidekick from 4Patriots, you get solar generator that doesn't install in your house. It's quick, easy, portable, and on the go, and you can use it outside or inside. It's small, it's only the size of a lunchbox, and it's very powerful. Powerful enough for your phones, medical devices, or even that mini fridge. It comes with a free solar panel. Free shipping, and the best part, unheard of 365-day satisfaction guarantee. Not only that, right now you get 10% off your very first purchase for just typing in the code loud at checkout. Just go to 4Patriots.com and use Out Loud to get 10% off your first purchase of the Patriot Power Sidekick or anything else in the store. That's 4Patriots.com. Use the code OutLoud.
3: Out Loud Truth was the rallying call that started it all. A wide spectrum of programming from world and political news to societal, your health, and cultural stories. Seven amazing years of news stories, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all.
1: Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash outloud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD.
0: And welcome back to Our Lives in Politics here on the America Out Loud Network. I'm Booker Scott alongside uh, Lou Pizzotta. And Lou, that was a, a great conversation with Corey Mills. He's full of, of life. He's full of, uh, I don't know how to say this other than he's full of piss and vinegar. And it's great to have someone like him in Congress. And hopefully he's going to do some, some great things and get some things passed.
2: That's his attitude, and that's I think that's one of the reasons he's uh, he's very spunky. And um,
0: he mentioned the HR eight sixty three, which he says is a no brainer. I still think that he's going to have some difficulty in getting that passed, but he said he's going to be dogged about it. So I'm sure he will be. He's got to get some help in the Senate, and then uh, someone in the White House is going to have to pass that along. But I think it's a great bill, and it's like he said, it's a no brainer. The sex relation of kids. Uh, through
2: pornography and books has to stop. That, that shouldn't even be an issue, to be quite honest. That's that's obvious. It should be a unanimous vote on both sides that, listen, this needs to stop, and it should be stopped immediately. And, of course,
0: the stock trading he brought up, and I was glad to hear that, too. That That's also, to me, it's a no-brainer. Uh, you know, I mentioned Elizabeth Warren has a bill that she's put forth about uh, no stock trading for Congress. However, you have to look deeper than just what they say a bill is because there may be all types of pork attached to what Elizabeth Warren has. Uh, So, you know, personally, I believe that uh, bills should be written on a napkin. If they're longer than that, they're, they're probably full of stuff we don't need.
2: Agreed on that as well. And one of the things that we know with the omnibus that they that they put out all the time is they're there for a reason, in my opinion, and that's to hide something. You're, you're burying something deep into that uh, bill that you don't want people to see or understand. And I think that needs to come to a complete halt as well to where everyone has time to read it in a very short period of time, make it very uh, item specific about what it with all the details and then get it passed. Move on to the next one,
0: and you know one of the things that Corey spoke about was the the concessions that Kevin McCarthy had to make, which, he, according to to what Corey said, it wasn't much. He said that ninety nine point nine percent had already been agreed to, and one of those things is what you're talking about so seventy two hours to read a bill, which is probably when they're four thousand pages. That's probably not even long enough, Uh, 72 hours. But at least, uh, you know, what we've been seeing, especially with the omnibus at the end of last year, it was hours before they went to take a vote on 4,000 pages that was released at two o'clock in the morning. So there's no possible way in the world anybody really read what was in there. And then you find out later and put it in front of people and put pressure on them to vote for it. They have to vote for it. The messaging is right out in the public. Uh, The mainstream media repeats it over and over and over again, and then people think you're passing an infrastructure bill that actually has $370 billion in Green New Deal money, and that money is being doled out by a guy by the name of John Podesta. And that's how things work in Washington, D.C., but when we see guys like Corey we see Van Orden in Wisconsin. We see Anna Paulina Luna. We see some fresh, new America first faces, and hopefully they're going to start making their presence known, and, and that's all we can hope for. And, you know, I really want to take some time right now because usually we have guests and they kind of fill up the hour, but I want to take the time to introduce you to Lou. Lou Bazzotta, co-host and producer here on Our Lives and Politics and Lou comes to us from the middle of the country. He's probably like a lot of you guys that are listening right now. He's just a true American.
2: And Lou, tell us a little bit about your family. Well, my family is very important to me. First and foremost, I have three children that we raise and we homeschool. We are from central Missouri, like you said, flyover country in the middle of the, in the middle of the state here. And family is very important to us, and our community is very important to us, which um, it's kind of ironic that you brought this up. But as of yesterday, one of our law enforcement officers in one of the adjoining towns very close to us lost his home uh, to a fire, him and his uh, wife. And I am a little shaken about this because, as you can probably hear in my voice, it, it hits home because he lost everything. And he's a really good man and we're doing everything we can in the community right now to try to get him clothing, number one, get him a place to stay and get some of the essential items that they need for personal hygiene and, and anything else like that, that uh, that they would need. Luckily, there's no kids involved. So that makes it a little bit easier, but nonetheless, they're suffering. So that's the kind of community that we come from. We're a very close-knit community. We help each other any way we can, and we're constantly constantly looking for ways to better each other's lives and help each other. So, And then going back to my family, my kids are number one, and they're taught every day that God is first and foremost, even uh, over mom, uh, mom and dad, and then we come second, and then our country comes after that. So it's God, family, and then country, and that's what my kids are taught with our homeschooling and that's pretty much uh, my family nucleus in a nutshell. We we are very family oriented. We love each other. We make mistakes, we apologize. We're true-blooded Americans and we love our country. Lou is talking about an
0: American 1960 or 70 which I think we all would love to get yeah. back to a, a simpler time. And uh, Lou's a little bit deeper than that. He's a he's a businessman. He he's owned a couple of businesses, still does. For spare time, you you love to hop in an RV and go around the country.
2: We love to travel in the RV. The kids love to travel. And that's part of their history, part of their geography. They get to learn all that stuff through homeschooling. Uh, They've been to Mount Rushmore. They know all of that. They've got to see that during the 2020, actually, when no one else was there. We got to park up in the front and walk right up to the monument and take pictures and do things. But, you know, Booker, one thing that I would like to say we've traveled the whole half of the country from the Midwest all the way up to the Canadian border, down to the Southern border and all the way West to California. And the one common denominator that I have found is that whenever we stop to get fuel, I converse with people. I just ask them random questions. How do you feel about the country? How do you feel about this? Yeah. Do I take a risk sometimes of someone maybe coming back and saying something that, maybe I didn't want to hear, or maybe they don't like what I'm asking, or it turns out bad, but I've never had that happen. But I've always got the same answer is that our country is going in the wrong direction. And this is going back to like 2019, 2020, that we're going in the wrong direction and we need to change things in our country, in our government. And government is the thing that I hear the most that's gone away. It's, it's it's just gone. It, it's not even doing its job for us anymore. And I hear that in, even in the blue states out West. It just amazed me that people feel this way because I'm kind of in a bubble in the Midwest. And normally you think of someone mentions California, Booker. Uh, what's the first thing people think of? Gavin Newsom. They don't think about the people that are actually there because of the mainstream media. So we naturally bundle them all together and think, are just a bunch of blue state radicals or left or whatever it is, but that's not so. There's a lot of people out there who want this country to do well and want what's best for the country overall, and I think we miss a lot of that.
0: You mentioned homeschooling, and uh, of course, when you're in the RV, you can still do homeschooling. Your children are what ages? They are eight, six, and five. So your children are homeschooled. Talk a little bit about your homeschooling experience, what the day looks like, where do you get your resources to teach them, and what type of education they are getting.
2: What we do with the education is they're all three. They pretty much get taught the same thing. So I guess it would be easy to say that my five-year-old is already learning some of the basic mathematics as far as you know, addition and subtraction. They get the reading because we read to them constantly. And then we also have different programs, like there's K5, and I can't, I think it's K5 something that we get learning. So we go through different programs um, that we find online, and it gives us the curriculum that we need as far as math goes, spelling goes. And you can find these on Facebook. You can find this anywhere. There are people all over social media that help each other you know when they say it takes a village i don't necessarily like that phrase because of where it came from and how it originated but it does take a community sometimes to gather together because there's not very many people who do homeschooling because either they can't afford to or they 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 don't have the option because both parents are working we're very fortunate and i never take that for granted that you know other people can't do what we're afforded to because we we own the businesses and we're afforded to be able to stay home and and teach our kids. And I'd like to keep them out of the public schools and even the private schools because I don't want them indoctrinated with things that they don't need to know about yet. I will make the decision when my girls and my son learn about specific things, and that is how I look at it. Uh, we teach them on you know basic uh, principles, biblical principles, and and that's where we kind of grow from there. Everything else is based, you know, uh, from the Bible, and then grows outward, and that's how we teach our kids. But again, there's so many different communities and groups that you can join on social media to help walk you through your homeschooling, and they will give you ideas that you never thought of. Like we help a lot of people with, you know, how we travel and the things we've seen. We share it with them. Uh, but it's it's a normal day. We wake up, we we eat breakfast, and then they start their schooling. And I do a workout first thing in the morning, so I have to get up super extra early and then feed them. And then they school till about noon. And then they take a break for two or three hours. And then we go back to about a two more hour uh, school session in the late afternoon. And we do this daily. So, which again, we do this on Saturdays and Sundays, even on the Lord's Day, because this gives them the opportunity to get ahead. So I would say that my kids are already probably learned stuff that's second and third grade, pushing into fourth grade already. So they will be ahead by the time we're finished. And I hope that answers your question on, you know, what our daily routine is like. Yeah, I want to segue into a couple of things. I want to try to tie
0: a couple of things together here that you mentioned. One thing you mentioned your travels and, and asking people. About the country and, and most people, you said, view it negatively. And then I also want to talk about school and public education because I have a daughter in the fifth grade in public school and in her public school, she has a Bible club. Don't think that it can't happen because it does happen. Clubs are allowed. So the way I want to pull this together is something that Malcolm talks about a lot. And it's something that Lou and I talk about as well. And that's getting involved. So as you're traveling around the country and you see these people that continue to say "Our, our government, our country is a mess, and they just keep saying it over and over and over again, what are people doing? What steps are people doing to become involved in, in it? And one of those things, if I can tie these two together, would be through your church and your organizations to reach out to public elementary schools in your community. My church personally has two elementary schools that we go into once a week to have a Bible club. They give them a t-shirt. They give them every kid a Bible, and it's well-attended. And in some cases, it's the only time that these children meet God and Jesus and have the opportunity to have a Bible. As we see things in our country, we look at things like election integrity. How do, how do you deal with election integrity? Well, one of the ways that we can solve election problems is through the state legislature. That's the only way it can be done. The federal government is supposed to stay out of it. So election laws are made at the state level. So if you want to get rid of Dominion machines, if you want to get rid of mail-in voting, if you want to have ID for everyone, the way to do that is put the political pressure on the state legislatures. Now, how do you do that? You have to get involved at the GOP level and the RNC meetings locally. And right now, there aren't a lot of people, especially in the America First movement, that are getting involved in these RNC local meetings and public meetings. Thank you, Lou. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to uh, ask you some questions and join the conversation. Tell everybody where they can find you.
2: They can find me on Twitter, at Bazada Lou i'm
0: booker scott the host of our lives in politics thank you so much for listening to this hour on america out loud this hour has been brought to you by four patriots.com remember when you go to four use the keyword the promo code out loud that's one word out loud at four remember salt without flavor has no value it's thrown on the street to be stepped on and you are the salt of the earth so be salty You've been listening to Our Lives in Politics with your hosts Booker
2: Scott and Lou Basada.